Hi, I'm Latresa. And I'm Clancy. And we are a mother-daughter duo that shares a love and admiration for all things Elvis. On this podcast, you can expect a deep dive into the life of Elvis Presley. We will discuss books written by Elvis's friends, family members, and others who knew him best. We will critique and enjoy Elvis movies, concerts, and music with those who grew up listening to his music, watching his movies, enjoying his concerts, and hopefully inspiring a new generation of Elvis fans along the way. With all the misconceptions surrounding Elvis, we want to remember his life and his legacy. The man, the friend, the entertainer, and the philanthropist. This podcast is dedicated to those of us who celebrate the life of one of the greatest entertainers of all times. Let's Talk Elvis! Hey guys, it's Clancy and Latresa. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Elvis podcast. We're so glad that you guys are back to join us for another episode, and we hope it's going to be a good one today. But as always, before we start out, we have a new Apple podcast review, which we love. So if you haven't already and you like our podcast, Please go give us a review. It helps us out a lot, and we love, love, love to read them, and we will also read them on our next episode. So this one says, this is the first podcast I've ever really listened to. I love the down-to-earth feeling that this podcast makes me feel, almost as if I'm there with them having a genuine conversation about Elvis. Highly recommend this podcast for those that just need something to listen to on a rainy day, and of course, those who love Elvis. So thank you so much. That's exactly what we wanted this podcast to be. We wanted it to feel like you guys were sitting here with us talking about Elvis. And we love reading this stuff. So That's so special. I love it. Yes. I do too. If you haven't already, follow or subscribe, whatever you want to call it, on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify and Amazon. And make sure to tell your friends and share the word. You guys have been so awesome on social media and with giving us reviews, and we love it. And uh, speaking of, today's episode was requested by Paula Hatfield on our Instagram. She was awesome enough to even send me some cool videos that I was able to watch to get some information. And if you ever want us to record a topic or learn more about a certain topic, Please feel free to message us there. It's at Let's Talk Elvis Podcast on Instagram. And we love, love, love hearing from you guys there. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, yes. And today we're going to be talking about Elvis's fleet. And uh, actually, Elvis had two airplanes. I think that uh, from what I read, there were several planes that he... Um, almost purchased or maybe tried to purchase, but uh, the two that were the most well-known and the two planes that he actually ended up with uh, were the Lisa Marie and the Hound Dog 2. And uh, the Lisa Marie was a Convair 880, and it was known by the radio code of Hound Dog. It was actually a Delta passenger plane. And in April of 1975, he actually paid $250,000 for this plane. 
Um, it was a 94 passenger plane and um, he had it customized. Um, he bought it. It was flown to Dallas and it was gutted and he spent $600,000 having it customized. And it was actually um, designed or customized by the uh, same team that had uh, done the Air Force One. And that was something Elvis was very, very proud of. Yeah. Um, and one thing I wanted to, I was curious when I read that about the 250000 in today's money, that would be $1.3 million. Just exactly. to put it into perspective a little bit. Exactly. And um, Elvis, he called it his flying Graceland. And uh, actually, Priscilla helped him with some of the remodeling. He picked out blue suede fabric for the couch. There was a teak oblong table in the conference room. There was a bar area, televisions, a master bedroom a master bathroom that had 24 karat gold bathroom fixtures. They were not solid gold, but they did contain 24 karat gold. Um, and also in the master bedroom, there was a seat belt across the bed in order for it to meet the code. Mm-hmm. I thought that that's so cool when you go and see it, because yeah. there you see this bed <laughs> in an airplane and then it has a seat belt across it. And I can just imagine when you're <laughs> tucking yourself in, um, Elvis tucking himself in and then fastening the seat belt. I think it's kind of funny. I wonder if he did fasten the seat belt ever. I bet he didn't. I don't yeah. know. Cause he was, he was kind of afraid of flying there for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, he may have actually. Might have. Who knows? If anyone's That's heard that, true. let us know. That is true. That's a good question. Um, but uh, he he customized. He had a, a seating area, um, and I'm trying to think of some of the specifics that he had. Um, there were 52 speakers on board. Um, I think there were seven telephones. There were several uh, televisions, and he named the um, 880 the Lisa Marie after his daughter, and I also like that uh, the TCB lightning bolt logo was was uh, painted on it, and uh, if you're an Elvis fan, you know that that means taking care of business in a flash. Yep, that was, if you go back in or have listened to our Memphis Mafia episode, you know that that was kind of the the like brand or logo of the Memphis Mafia. They all Elvis had necklaces made for them, and it was like their call sign. TCB. But I also read um, when it was being refurbished, that was when he bought his smaller plane, which was known as the Hound Dog 2, and he would fly it to where the Lisa Marie was being refurbished and he would he would bring his friends and family there every time that he was in progress and he would take Polaroid pictures when he was there so he could keep up with the progress. Exactly. I, I thought that was cool. I, I I wonder if the archives have those Polaroid pictures and if they've, they've ever been displayed. I'm sure they do. I don't know about yeah. being displayed, but I'm sure that Vernon had those somewhere stored. Yeah. Uh, but he also decorated the Hound Dog too uh, with the same in the same taste that he did uh, 
Belisa Marie, he had palettes of green, turquoise, and yellow. And mm -hmm. uh, Colonel Parker, after the after he got the the Lisa Marie up and going, uh, Colonel Parker basically used um, the Hound Dog too for trips that, like he would go on down ahead of Elvis when Elvis was going on tour, and mm -hmm. and he would travel earlier with his team to set things up for Elvis. Yeah, and I also I'm trying to find it in my notes. But let me see. It was something. It was interesting. Anyway, um. Oh, I remember what it was. So, this plane, the Convair 880, it was designed to compete with the Boeing 707s and the Douglas DC8s, which I have no clue about planes. But I was trying to think. Like, I've flown quite a bit. What would this plane? be like comparable to so I found those planes and then only 65 were produced ever and wow. uh, I thought that was pretty crazy so only 65 of these planes were made and one of them is Elvis's and exactly. on, at this day and time only nine of these aircraft are left in the world and none of them are airworthy and the only one that is preserved properly is the Lisa Marie so wow. even aside from this plane being Elvis's, which automatically makes it worth, a, you know, a ton of money. It's also super rare and the only one in the world preserved properly. So exactly. That, that's that's special. That was, that was pretty cool. Well, you know, it was a 94 passenger plane to start with. And after Elvis customized it, it could fly approximately 28 passengers from the information that I found but usually yeah. there were only about eight to ten people that actually flew on board the plane um, yeah. and renovations at that time were like six hundred thousand dollars which would be like 2.9 million today would be like the total cost of uh, the Lisa Marie what he ended up paying for the Lisa Marie and I mean you have to think this day at this time period, 1975, no one had a plane like this. No. No one. No. Um, and, and the reason behind him buying the plane was that, he, and this is just something I read, but I, I believe it, it. He thought if he had his own plane with his own crew that he would have a better chance of making an overseas tour happen, which we know yes. unfortunately never did happen, but. That was one of the main reasons that he decided to buy his own airplane and an airplane of this size with exactly. a bedroom and living spaces and conference room and everything was that he hoped to be able to take it on tour. Exactly. And, you know, we're talking about like eight to ten passengers. Uh, four of those passengers on the Lisa Marie would be the flight crew. Yeah. And uh, David Elwood was the pass was the captain, and the uh, the pilot, and uh, Ron Strauss. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Was the uh, co-pilot, and then the flight engineer was Jim Manny. Now I looked everywhere trying to find uh, the name of a flight attendant because a flight attendant would also yeah. uh, be on board. 
I could not find any for information. I never saw one either. Yeah. I so I'm wondering if, if maybe they just kind of had a rotation and put, you know, maybe like from a service or whatever and, and yeah. assigned a flight attendant. Yeah. Um, apparently there was not a certain flight attendant, uh, yeah. but the crew was, uh, was, was hired was by Elvis. And um, I also, I, I actually found that uh, Vernon interviewed Ron Strauss. I could not find a lot of information about Elwood David, but apparently Ron Strauss has done several um, interviews and also yeah. he has written a book. So he is out there. When you find information, it basically says he's the pilot. and But yeah. when you dig farther, it tells you that he's co-pilot. Um, but there wasn't a lot of information on Elwood David. So most of the information that I found was on Ron Strauss. But he was actually interviewed by Vernon. And he said there was a very short interview. And uh, he submitted a resume. And on his resume, he talked about um, the 1974 hijacking, which was basically, it's a long story. Um, if you're interested, you can look it up under Ron Strauss Facts and, and in the book that he actually has coming out. I don't think that it's been released yet. Um, but it, it happened in... Um, in um, Nicaragua, I think. It was it in Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Was it Nicaragua? It was okay. in Nicaragua. Okay, Nicaragua. But there was 20 political pa uh, prisoners that were released and $5 million, an airplane. They wanted an airplane, and he got to be the one to fly the airplane. So it's kind of an interesting story. But that was something that intrigued Elvis um, and maybe was one of the reasons why he, he was actually hired. Mm -hmm. Um but anyway, uh, so he was the co-pilot and, um, and have more information on him than we actually have on the actual pilot. Milo yeah. High was the pilot on the Hound Dog. Hound Dog 2, yeah. Yeah, on the, the Hound Dog 2. The smaller plane. Exactly, exactly. And I, I did want to mention this because I thought it was really interesting. Before he purchased the plane that is the Lisa Marie, he had put a $75,000 deposit on another Boeing 707, but the deal fell through because the previous owner had been Robert Vesco, who was a fugitive financer that had fled to South America after allegedly embezzling hundreds of millions of dollars from uh, investment firms. So buying his plane would revolve some uh, complications with the IRS and Elvis was warned that if the plane ever landed in any of the countries that Vesco was had a base in that they were afraid that he might try to seize the plane and take it over. So right. when Elvis learned all that he he uh, backed out of that deal and then this Convair 880 had a clean record with Delta and he could take it anywhere. That's right. Yeah, I read that too. Um, I read that Ron Strauss's first flight was to uh, Vegas. It was from Memphis to Vegas, and actually, mm -hmm. uh, the this this was what I I found. This was really interesting. The crew, uh, they had to stay uh, on call twenty four seven. 
Yeah. And um, and they were not allowed to drink. They had to be ready to go at any time. And yep. most of the trips that they took would be at night. Uh, Elvis would call it would be like two o'clock in the morning and they would have like three hours to be ready to go. And uh, every day they would go through uh, the uh, the inspection, make yep. sure it was fueled and all that, just in case Elvis needed them. They were basically on call and they would be, basically it would be when they were working, it would be like two weeks in uh, Vegas then it would be like two weeks in Memphis. But at that time, they had to be ready and on call at yeah. all times. Um, but his first trip was to uh, to Vegas, and he had never seen Elvis perform. So um, when they got there, they they asked, you know, they, they asked him if they wanted to go to a show, and uh, they the pilots said yes. So they told them to where to be and told them to be there the next day. And they actually, um, I think they uh, had them to to stand and recognized them at the at the concert. Yeah, I read and, I read um, that too. And so that was the first time that they ever got to see Elvis in concert, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, yeah to you know you got a cool job anyway but then you're recognized and after they um after they had uh, been recognized they said they could go anywhere in um uh, the hilton and basically whatever they wanted they just had to ask for it and uh, and it was pay for anything else yeah that's exactly right and um ron said that uh before the flights, just about every flight they had, that Elvis would come into the cockpit and say hello. Yeah. And uh, they said that he was a very nice guy. He was a smart man, and he had an unbelievable charisma. Um, I also read that they told that he told them uh, early on that he did have a fear of flying, that he was nervous in a plane, and he told them to always go with their gut to never take any chances or take advice um, that went against what they really felt, that they always veer on the safe side of things, that uh, he was more concerned with safety. Wow. So I thought that was really, really good. I know uh, my father-in-law used to have a plane, and and uh, I know that uh, I've heard my husband talk about him, uh, you know, basically demanding the pilot to land when the weather was bad or there would be a question about something and the pilot wanted to go to go on and take a chance. And uh, and my father-in-law would say, land this plane right now. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind of scary. Those stories have made me scared to get in smaller planes. Yes, small aircrafts. I've always yeah. been afraid to. That was before no our thanks. time. And yeah, I've always been afraid to fly in a smaller plane, too. Yeah. So I, I also read that around Christmas when Belize Maria had just been finished and brought to Memphis that Elvis wanted to fly his friends and family. And so th- uh, they called up Ron and the rest of the crew and they just flew them around Memphis for for a, a little while just so they could see the plane and take it for a spin. Uh, yeah, I read that too. That would, I, that would, how cool would that be? So That's cool. That's right. And I read that one time they were going, I guess they were on their, in their flights to, um, to between Vegas and, and Memphis, but Elvis wanted to see Mount Rushmore. So he asked them if they would, uh, allow him to circle Mount Rushmore. Yes. And, uh, so he got to see that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And, um, Elvis would, 
would often tip the flight crew whenever they would uh, go on trips. And the tips would vary. It said they varied from 100 to 300 to 500. And one time he gave them each $1,000, which Ron Strauss used to purchase a yellow Corvette. Oh, and yes. Fun fact, he actually drove it in the funeral procession when Elvis died. He still has the car, and he ha- had driven it to Graceland that day after uh, he flew Lisa Marie ready for that day. But he flew, mm-hmm. well, that's a whole long story, but anyways... The day Elvis died, Elvis had let Ron Strauss and some other guys drive his go-karts. And Ron saw Patsy taking Vernon inside before he left. And Vernon at the time was in really bad health. So when he got the call that something happened at Graceland, he thought it was Vernon. And it was actually Mm -hmm. Elvis. So he drove, or he had to go pick up Priscilla and her parents and her sister and some of Elvis's other friends. And fly them back to Memphis for Elvis's funeral. But his car was parked outside of Graceland. And the highway patrol saw it outside and came in and said, hey, who's this yellow, whose yellow car is this? And he said, it's mine. And highway patrol asked if he would care to drive it in the procession because he wanted to be able to identify the last car. When the last car oh. came, he wanted to be able to know. So his car he bought with Elvis's bonus that he still has to this day was driven in the funeral procession and was the very last car wow that is awesome i did not know that i did not find that information yep wow yep we're getting kind of out of order but i thought that was such a cool story that is a cool story it sure is it sure is he told ron strauss told some stories one of the interesting stories that he told sometimes he said that sometimes whenever elvis would call and have them to get ready to go, that Elvis wouldn't show up. And so one time they had gone, gotten up in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. they'd gone, they were waiting on Elvis, and um, he waited and he waited. Uh, Joe Esposito had called, told him to get the plane ready. Um, So they were all, and and they kind of, you know, sometimes when they got everything ready, they didn't know how long they would be going to wait. So this particular time, he said, you know, you've got... uh, the pilot on one of the couches you've got the engineer on another couch and so he said he went and climbed into Elvis's bed they were so sleepy waiting so um he's asleep in Elvis's bed he said he didn't get under the cover or anything but he's laying on the bed with a with a cover across him and the security guard comes and wakes him up and just really gives him a good going over you know and uh so the security guard tells Elvis later on that uh that Ron was asleep in his bed and Elvis comes up to him and asks him about it. And Ron admits it. And, um, and Elvis says, Ron, you could sleep in my bed anytime. So um, he didn't get in trouble for it. Yeah. I love that (laughs) because how many bosses would, would be that cool about it. You would think that he would be just mad or more mad than the security card, but he didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, He didn't care at all. That story. Right. They said that Elvis loved to come to the cockpit, especially during takeoff and landing. And um, they said that they did offer a few times to let him uh, try to, like, 
take control of the airplane and stuff. But because he was a little bit nervous, he never really wanted to do that. But he would get over the speakers and trick trick the passengers that he was going to land and oh god and everything. But that he he was a little too nervous to take over. Right, right. Well, and and he told some stories. He told about, you know, I've I've heard the story before when Lisa was seven. That was, you know, around the time he he purchased the plane. Mm -hmm. But when Lisa was seven, um, one day he realized that she had never seen snow. And uh, so he wanted her to have a, 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 a taste of a real white winter wonderland snow so he had the pilot to fly her to denver and they got out and played in the snow for a few hours and then they all boarded the plane and flew back to memphis so cool can can you imagine i've always loved that story i've always loved that story and then uh, in February in 1976, he took the Lisa Marie to Denver and back because he was craving a sandwich uh, from the Colorado Mine uh, Company. And um, it was an 8,000 calorie sandwich that was made from a hollowed out loaf of bread filled with an entire jar of peanut butter, a jar of jelly, and a pound of bacon. And it was known as the Fool's, Fool's Gold Loaf. I had, now, did read that story as well. I I heard I I read it in a couple different places, and mm-hmm. the price ranged from twenty nine dollars a sandwich to fifty dollars a sandwich. So I'm not sure how much it actually cost, um, but it was an expensive sandwich. Yeah. But uh, the son uh, of the owner met met him at the plane, and. Um, they spent three hours on board the Lisa Marie, never left the airport. They uh, picked up the sandwich. I think there were like 22 sandwiches that Elvis paid for. And they ate and finished the sandwiches there. And then they flew home. And, well, um, I read about that story was they were actually en route from Memphis to Long Beach, California to take Lisa Marie okay. home. And they did stop to get the sandwiches. And when they stopped, they found out that the weather was too bad to continue on to Long Beach. So Elvis had the security guard take Lisa to a hotel to stay so they could get her to Long Beach back home. And Elvis took the plane back to Memphis. That's why I I watched a video where Ron Strauss was uh, telling that story. So mm-hmm. okay, that's that what sounds... he said. But right. Who knows? You know. Okay. I've heard that he just flew there for a sandwich and bag, but Ron Strauss said they were actually going somewhere for a reason, and he happened to stop for the sandwiches on the way. Exactly. That makes way so, more sense. That way makes more sense. Um, also, he told a story about going to Honolulu on a trip, and uh, they did not have enough seats. Normally, they would let their wives go always take their wives with them when they went on a trip. And I think most of the guys had their wives, but uh, this particular trip, uh, there wasn't enough room for Ron's wife. And he said he was kind of aggravated about it, you know, because he really wanted his wife to go with him. So, um, and he said that Elvis even came up to the cockpit and, and, and apologized to him. But apparently when they got to Oakland, there were like four open seats left. And um, so, 
Elvis goes up and starts talking to him and he tells him to call his wife and, and get a first class, first class airplane ticket to Honolulu. And he, he argues with Elvis and says, no, you don't have to do that. And uh, Elvis says, do you like working for me? Yes, I, I like working for you. And he said, well, um, if you want to keep working for me, you'll do what I told you to do. He said, because nobody says no to Elvis. You know, when Elvis wanted mm-hmm. you to do something, you did not tell him no. Yeah. So um, he called and got his wife on a plane. And when he got back, um, he just took the, the tickets to Vernon. And Vernon never said a word about it. Uh, Vernon said that Elvis had talked to, already told him about it. And he just wrote him a check for it. And it was no problem. Wow. So, That's really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Well, we are almost out of time. Uh, we might have to make this into a short two-parter. Well, but... I think we can. I think, have you got a lot more? I, I think we can finish it up. It, it may be a little bit long, but I think we can pretty much finish it up. Um, after the pilots took Priscilla and Elvis's family back to Los Angeles after their funeral, they opened up the airspace for the flight back to Memphis, which was super duper rare during that time. Right. But yeah. it was Ron Strauss's last time flying the Lise Marie, and they, the towers opened up the airspace. I thought that was really cool. Vernon um, yeah. at first wanted to charter the plane out to help with costs, so they did charter charter it out to some celebrities, but it was eventually sold. And um, in nineteen. 19- 84, the Lisa Marie was returned to Graceland for good. It's still there today. You can go tour it. We love to go see the plane. We always make it a point to see the plane. Right. They actually have videos. They had to remove part of the wings, and it was uh, pulled down Elvis Presley Boulevard, and there were people lying in the streets to watch it come back home to Graceland. Exactly. That's still where it remains today. Um it's one of the best parts of touring the mansion. I think it's really, really cool. It I really have two, is. I have two Elvis Presley Airways t-shirts um, from our trips there. I love it. But it, it's it's a must see for sure. It is. And uh, in 2014, I wanted to add this really quick. Um, Elvis Presley Enterprises wrote to the owners and wanted to make an arrangement for the planes to be moved the following year. Now, why, I'm not really sure, uh, but I remember yeah. when this happened, and I remember being in a really big panic about it. Um, but in, uh, in July of that year, Priscilla made a statement, and, um, and she said, I'm reading what you're saying, but listen to the, the people that own the plane um, put the information out there intentionally to upset everybody. We're on top of it. Thank you for your trust in us. We will be soon be releasing um, some exciting news about that's happening to Greg Graceland. Um, and it ended up where actually in um, April 2015, Lisa Marie says that she wants to be the first to tell us that the planes will remain at Graceland forever. We own them, and we have fun plans for them as well. So the planes are there, and they will remain there. And um, 
I just, it's really exciting. I, just the fact that he owned the planes when you step on board, um, it's just really a, a, a very cool thing. It's so wild. I think Messy. I said to you last time that, like, to think of how he started this, this is, you know, two planes. I mean, they're amazing. They're amazing by today's standards. Like, they are. Exactly. And I, I found it in 76, the total operating cost for the plane was $400. million to, in today's money. That just, it, it's, it's just expensive. incredible to see some of the beginnings and, and where, where he's on in these planes and his career it's it's just really cool and if you ever get a chance to go to Graceland make sure you stop by the planes um exactly that's the first thing I remember seeing that when we went the first time oh yeah yeah it's so so cool I'll I'll post some pictures of it on our uh, social media for those of you who haven't got to see it in person look at them pictures so you'll be able to find that on Instagram at let's talk this podcast and as always follow us there i'm really going to try to be more active on there and uh as always just like and subscribe to our podcast on apple amazon or spotify and make sure to tell your friends leave reviews and please leave you all so much yes thank you we will see you next week have a great week bye-bye bye